All right, everybody, welcome to the GM Hockey Podcast. My name is Tony Gelski, and I'm joined by Andy. Andy, how's it going? Good, and uh, a lot of hockey this week for the Hawks. We had four games since we last recorded, and what a roller coaster of four games it has been. Yeah, I, let's just hop right into it. We recorded the night of the 5th, and that was the night they... They played Boston. Um, they played they, they played Boston. I believe they had, didn't they have a three nothing lead that game. Yeah, so I mean, like for what? most of that game, they looked good, and they sort of even in the third when they were given up, they gave up those three goals. Uh, didn't look awful. I mean, they're playing against a team that had not lost more than three games in regulation. So I would and have that, liked to have been the fourth, but right. Yeah. And, and at that point, they hadn't lost at home in regulation either. Yeah, so They're all their losses were on the road in regulation. So I mean, give it give it up to a, a Hawks team that has been up and down all season in terms of quality of play. That's that's a good game. That's a good game. It was it was a very good game, and the what I liked was the response in overtime to come back and and win that game in overtime, even though you gave up three third period goals. Let's to let's talk about league. the OT goal though. Uh, Boston was the Boston fans. Not happy. Uh, I didn't see a problem with it. Uh, where Taves, Taves kind of shoved Pasternak. I, I don't know if they're looking for a cross check or a trip, but you gotta if you're if you have the puck in overtime and you are the last guy back, you gotta be stronger on your skates than that. Yeah, I for me, it kind of looked like Taves didn't really. He lost his man in. Um, he just put a little shove on him. Yeah, he lost his man, and I viewed it more of just as like a, a collision, and um, I I wouldn't have called it, especially in overtime. You're the um, ref. I'm not. And then <laughs> I wouldn't have called that at all. Not in those circumstances. I wouldn't have called anything. You gotta so, be stronger on your skates. Period. You gotta be smarter too. I mean, we both so, like, we we know yeah. like shoves and and shit like that. It just it just happens. Right. So, you know, I, I love the Boston response. I throw garbage, throw keep it classy. On the field. Yeah, you've, you've lost your fifth game in overtime at home. <laughs> um, and you, have, you haven't seen a regulation loss yet. And, oh, woe is me. It's like, whatever. They, I, I didn't get that at all. The, those but, East Coast teams sometimes, Philadelphia, uh, Boston, or, you know, you, you throw the Patriots in there, like just – East Coast, sometimes New York, but not as much. Get a little, get a little stupid, you know. Right. I mean, Philadelphia on their, uh, it was their owners' uh, memorial night, and they had like all those like wristbands that like that they gave give away that like like at former Hawks home openers, yeah. where, like, give away the wristbands, they light up and stuff like that. They were throwing <laughs> those in the ice. Philadelphia a few years ago when during that memorial. The officials actually gave the Flyers a two-minute bench minor penalty for delay a game because fans would not stop throwing stuff onto the onto the ice. It's just so, not a classy situation. But let's no. let's move to uh, the New Jersey game because what a 180 going from playing the best team in the league or one of to one of the worst teams in the league, and they won. But I, you know. It's a it's a mediocre game in the fact that I don't remember it being as atrocious as uh, one of the other games we're going to talk about a little later. But you you're coming off a high 
play in Boston, OT win. Yeah, you gave up a lead, but you still you found a way to win away against one of the best teams in the league. And you show up in New Jersey, a team that has absolutely struggled. Uh, they made a ton of moves in the offseason, uh, signing guys like Wayne Simmons, uh, trading for a guy like P.K. Subban, drafting uh, Jack Hughes. You got guys like uh, Jasper Bro- Boquist coming up. And then, you know, there's some pieces like Hall and uh, Vatnin there. They should be a better team. They're not. They're they're mentally low, and the Hawks came in there, and you know, they got a point. Uh, Newton. Well, Hawks won in, uh, I believe, a shootout. One of the yeah, rare they shootout their, wins. They two points, but but yeah, shouldn't have gotten to that point. No, but that's a. I mean, if you've got anything to say, I think that's a very forgettable game. Two uh, two bad teams going at it, and nothing really came of it. No, that's. Pretty accurate description. And then uh, they followed it up with two great periods against Arizona and then just completely folded in the third. And then... Yeah, I was at that game. <laughs> lost in the in the shootout. Uh, who... We... Outside Leonard, of the New Jersey Leonard game. Leonard was in the net uh, for that shootout. And uh, I went to that game with my father. And we were talking on the car ride home. Uh, Leonard... First off, that third period was incredible. I mean, obviously everyone saw the highlight save. The Hawks tweeted about it. It was even crazier live. Um, and that wasn't the only one. Several post-to-posts, crazy crazy saves, cra- stood on his head. The Hawks did not deserve a point. Uh, but they get to the shootout, and, and Leonard has already made it very clear. He doesn't like the shootout. He's not good at the shootout, but... That's why he's not good at the shootout, because he's saying it. He believes it, and he's saying it, and that's his problem. No, I I completely agree, because you see him make saves on breakaways and whatnot, and it's like everybody knows that he's mentally weak in the shootout. So if you're like a team, like if you're if Leonard's in the net and you're one of these teams in overtime, like, I mean, yeah, you try to win the game in overtime, but with the way Leonard is, it is in the post and just throughout his career, I think he's got a sub 500 save percentage in the shootout. Yeah. I mean, and, it's and like, the goals he's letting in are mind boggling after yeah. he's sliding two pad stack glove save rolling at the end of it. And then, you know, a little forehand backhand. He's like completely deked out of his jock. Yeah. It's like, it's unbelievable. Speaking of unbelievable, let's move on to the, the Vegas game. <laughs> uh, um, did you stay up for it? Because it was a 9 o'clock start Chicago, so I stayed up for the whole thing. <laughs> why? Because, you know, I just – I don't know. Well, I, I love hockey. Even, even even if it sucks, I still love to watch it. Right. I, I agree, but, you know, the Hawks gave up 37 shots that game. Um it was, yeah. I mean, we, the, here's, Even the first period. Here's a positive but. note. Uh, a lot of negative notes to go over, but the positive is Crawford showed a lot of the same emotion Leonard was. So both goalies on the same page. They're they got to be the the motivating force for this team. They're both playing. I, I don't think anyone would disagree. Both Leonard and Crawford. I don't care who you think is better. Both of them 
look fantastic this year. You know, Crawford started a little weak. There was a small stretch where Leonard, uh, after uh, when they played, oh, who they play that had the Avs, the back-to-back with the Avs, both looked real bad those two games. But for the most part, that's that's been the team. There's the two goalies standing on their head and then relying on Kane to maybe pot a goal or get an assist, like a nice assist. So the positive in all this is Crawford, who uh, typically doesn't really show his emotions, got a little heated. Leonard obviously has been heated multiple times. Uh, let that kind of light a fire under their ass, you know? Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've seen comments too by uh, – I don't remember who tweeted it out or who even – or who the Hawks player was, but uh, it was more or less about how they got to stop hanging their goalies out to dry. Yeah, I think that was and, Connor Murphy, and he's a hundred percent right. And they well, here, it's a shame because he's been one of the better. He's been one of the few, I think, who has been pretty solid defensively. Uh, him and I think Dehan, which uh, sad news coming out of this game with him, but. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of problems hanging the goalies out to dry. Yeah, you got two. Your you get probably got your. For, I would put DeHaan, Calvin DeHaan was probably their best defenseman so far this year, consistently Absolutely. all the way around. Mm-hmm. And then Duncan Keith's probably your second best. Um, and, and not only is Duncan Keith your second best defenseman, and I know we we know some people who would probably want to debate us on that, but uh, I'd say they're wrong. But he's also a leader. And now you're down a guy who's got a presence in that dressing room, won three cups with a handful of these guys out. And Calvin DeHaan, who's uh, had some some runs in the playoffs as recently as last year. Uh, heart and soul kind of defenseman. A lot, a lot like Jalmerson, blocks some shots, solid defensively. Not going to put up the numbers to impress you, but boy, two guys like that down. That's I don't know. <laughs> yeah, when you're when your excuse me, when your bottom pairing defenseman consists of Dennis Gilbert and Slater Cuckoo, it's not necessarily the the best. Yeah, Slater, yeah, Slater Cuckoo is pretty rough. But I will say, uh, I came into the season saying, you know, between Gilbert and Cuckoo, I'd rather Gilbert. But I thought they all sucked. Uh, Gilbert's grown on me a little bit. He's bringing more to the table than he showed. In prospects, or not prospects, uh, training camp, he's been physical. He's gotten in a couple fights, defending teammates. And, you know, I think he's getting a little more confident. I see him kind of taking the puck behind the net instead of forcing a bad pass, letting the play develop around him. You know, I'd like to see a little more of that from Boquist. Obviously, he's much younger. Uh, Just slow the game down a little bit and uh, show some confidence in your own zone. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. The uh, he's looked pretty okay. I wouldn't put him like you no, know, like you know what I mean. Like he's yeah. I mean, for what you're expecting out of Dennis Gilbert, he's looked he's exceeded the expectations. For Dennis little. Gilbert, he's been exceptional. For yeah. an NHL defenseman, he's been mediocre. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The um, and then they didn't help that Oli Mata was out for a little bit too with the flu. Yeah. Um, He's he's back tonight. Uh, for oh, anyone who doesn't know, Hawks play tonight at eight. Uh, we're uh, recording on the twelfth, so they're playing Arizona again. 
Good chance for a little retribution for that awful third they put Leonard through. Right. Blackhawks uh, United Center 2, as I like to refer to it as. Um, yeah. Jalmerson's hurt, though. That's a, that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, he's he's out for a while. I think he's out for like three or four months. Mm-hmm. That's um, a shame. So, yeah, Arizona's been one of the uh, surprising teams. So let's, let's transition. Let's jump to, to that. Let's jump to Arizona and another team that uh, I, we wanted to bring up too uh, was the uh, the uh, Calgary Flames, who've been Calgary on a little bit Flames. of a uh, So last year they were great, won, uh, won the Pacific Division, and they started awful this year. Uh, Goudreau couldn't get on the score sheet, uh, just a lot of problems. And I looked at them kind of like I look at Montreal, where I thought – Oh, this is a team that's going to make a rash decision. If the Hawks aren't confident that they're going to come in here and uh, get a playoff spot, I look to them to make, you know, throw a little extra for a guy like Assad, just to try and get them over the edge. Uh, probably not them anymore because they have won six straight. So let's keep this in mind. The record is 17 and 12. Six games ago, they were a sub 500 team. Right. So they're playing, I wouldn't say it's surprising, uh, because this is a team that I thought, again, was going to win the Pacific. Uh, I didn't have much faith in the Sharks. The Knights would obviously contend with them. Uh, but for the most part, I thought that was Calgary's division. So, you it's know, so I like candy. the Flames. They're only two points behind Edmonton and Arizona. Yep, so they are. Um, it's still, that that division is literally up for grabs. And with how strong the Central Division could be, is the Central Division isn't as strong as what everyone said it was going to be um, at the beginning of the year. I, hard, hard to hard to say that though, because you know I'm I'm looking at it like every team's above 500, but the Hawks. Yeah, I yeah, they're, I'm not saying, but I'm what I'm saying is like the other Pacific Division teams are are a little bit better than what they were expected to be. Like, I don't think anybody really expected Vancouver to be. But uh, I mean, like I I said, coming into this, I didn't have faith in the Sharks roster, but did you, did you expect them to be sub 500? I mean, they're no, no, I didn't like a better terms. They're shit in the bed. Yeah. And they just fired their coach, Pete DeVore, which I do want to get to that later, but let's focus on these standings. Um, Golden Knights, I thought were, if it wasn't the flames, it was them. They're, you know, they beat the Hawks last game pretty handily, but for the most part, they've been streaky at best. Uh, and they, I mean, they put, they've spent some money. They've made some trades. They got guys like Patch Reddy, who uh, kind of came back alive a little bit second half of last year. They, they've got Paul Stastny. I don't hear too much from him. Mark Stone, obviously playing like Mark Stone. So, I mean, they got pieces there. But it's just not clicking. So right. I mean, I still look at the Pacific as one of the weaker divisions. Uh, it helps that Edmonton all of a sudden decides, oh, maybe we will play well while Connor McDavid's still young. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is what I expect from a team that has a fifty goal score and a a consistent MVP. Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason that's not a, a, the best team in the league no. or one of the best teams in the league. So I don't know. They're they're kind of skidding a little bit. Uh, I don't have a ton of faith in their goaltending. But, 
I mean, let's be honest. I don't have a ton of. I look down, up and down the uh, Pacific Division. Not a lot of goaltending I would trust here. The I mean, Mark Andre Fleury, without a doubt, great goaltender. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's why I don't. You say the Pacific Division is stronger than you expected, maybe record wise, but yeah, even then, three teams sub five hundred. You got. A uh, couple teams like the Canucks and the Golden Knights, only a few games over. So I think it's mediocre division. Yeah, yeah. It, it, let's switch over to the Eastern Conference because I'm looking at that right now and I wanted to get that too. In, yeah, this is a um, little bit of an ass-backwards uh, division. Uh, yeah, it, not it, as much as I thought, but there's some teams that should be performing better and there's some teams that I'm shocked they are where they are. Yeah, there's about three teams that I would say that are uh, underperforming. Yeah. Um, if I guess before you say it, it's Toronto, Tampa and Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the uh, Florida is right. Kind of where I expected them to be. They, really? I thought they'd be a little better. I thought Montreal. And, I think they're a wild card team. They could be a wild card team. Yeah. But when you got teams like Montreal and Tampa on the outside looking in, then Florida's got to be a top, Top three team, right? Uh, and you got Buffalo Montreal's and Montreal in the up there. Now. They're What's the top up? three. Montreal's in the top three of the, of the Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, and there's still a ton of talk out of Montreal. Uh, they're desperate. I mean, let's face it. They won three straight. So they're they're trending right. But they're, they're, they could just as easily turn it around. Uh, not turn it around. They could fall back down. I right. mean, they, yeah. it's, I look at Montreal – if I'm the Hawks, so, you know, you're not playing well. You're coming in at the end of December. Got to make that decision. Is this a team we're going to push and make the playoffs and make a move to get better? Or are we going to retool now and hope for the best? You know, right. we'll, we'll finish the season. It's a deep draft. We'll see where next year takes us. If we do the latter and we're like, yeah, this is not a playoff team. I look at Montreal and I say, this is a team desperate. Let's go over there say, we want – uh, your unprotected first or semi-protected as like if this is a top five pick, uh, we'll we'll push it to next year. But otherwise, uh, first round pick for Brandon Saad. And, right. you know, there's a relationship there. Obviously, that is heavily favored the Hawks in terms of value. But Saad's been the most consistent forward. I think we've said it in every podcast so far. He's got eight goals, so he's on pace for – Somewhere between 25 and 30. Do I think he hits 30? No, but he'll be in the mid-20s. And it's kind of what Montreal needs. Uh, despite being four games over 500, they have a negative goal differential. Saad brings a good defensive presence. Uh, obviously, he's putting up points this year. And there's, like I think I've already said, but there's a relationship between Bowman and Bergevin. Right, yeah. So that, well, that's my- a team I target. Uh for trades like that. And let's face it, they've been scouting the Hawks. This is not something we've talked about, but that he's Bergevin has been to several Rockford games. He's been to several Hawks games over the last month. Uh, you know, it is something to keep an eye out for, especially as both teams, this is starting to, to, to come to a do or die um, for the Hawks. And for a lot of these teams, man, like, your your moves that you need to start 
what I what I think is the trade deadline isn't as active as it has been before, mainly be, because well, teams uh, are doing it before the trade yeah, deadline. Nobody wants at, nobody wants a month. January. Yeah, nobody wants a month and a half of for a rental. If I'm going to pay a premium price for a guy like Brandon Saad, I want him in my lineup in January, and so I'm able to um, I'm able to get a guy. Uh, I'm able to get him in the lineup and get him some kind of chemistry with the team before we make the playoffs. Yeah. Like there's, it's really hard to, to throw guys into the lineup. And that was kind of like the demise of the Hawks in 2016 was, yeah, they added, (laughs) they added a bunch. They added like four guys before the trade deadline. And that screwed with the chemistry of the team and they didn't play well down the stretch or in the playoffs. No. So it's and I mean you if you're if you're in that year again you you still trade for Lad you gave up a lot but that's a trade I think everyone would make but man could you imagine how nice it would be to have Dano on your on your third line instead of the rental of White and uh, oh yeah instead Fleischmann. of White and Fleischman I liked Fleischman but I wouldn't give up Dano for both of them let alone no. Dano in a second not at all um, but. Yeah, I look at Montreal make being that team that makes those those rash decisions. Right. Um, Toronto will probably be one of those teams too. Toronto, they, they have to go in all in this year. We've talked about it before. Is that they? This is it. This is it. This, this is this it. Spot. <laughs> and, they don't do it now. They're done. And they, unless they trade one of their top three guys who are making ten million dollars a year, which I wouldn't rule that out because. I think no they're gonna. Kidding. I think what they're gonna do is they're gonna rely on young kids, and they'll move guys like, like Nylander and Kapanen. Right, but are, that never works. Look at the Blackhawks. But that's I guarantee you that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be a disaster in Toronto uh, come next year. I think they. I think they find a way to squeak in the playoffs. I don't think Montreal makes the playoffs. Uh, I don't know what to think of Buffalo right now. Jack Eichel's been incredible, but right. But yeah, and, it's like these, there's a couple of these matchups. Like if, if Toronto were to squeak in and maybe get that first wild card spot, so they're playing. Oh, I mean, you're they're Danny, playing you're Capitals, or they're, they're no. the Capitals. They've they got the first wild card spot. They're playing. <laughs> you don't want either of those two teams. No, but you see, so you kind of have to. They kind of have to make the third spot in their division. And yeah, so, Tampa is on the outside looking in. But let's also not forget they've got three games in hand. Yeah. And a roster that once it starts going, it's th- – I'm not worried about Tampa, but teams like the Maple Leafs, the Penguins, didn't even talk about them. I think Penguins uh, – God, I don't I don't know. I want to say they're going to miss. I say every year I want them to miss. I don't know. They've, yeah. they've got good complementary pieces, but their their main stars keep getting hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh... – uh, interesting thing going yeah. on. Yeah. Real quick, let's go to let's just jump to before we jump. Before we okay. jump, okay. Just want to say a fun fact here: Detroit has lost twelve straight games. Yeah, you know, and they haven't fired their coach yet either. But um, <laughs> it's a disaster. But I think but they're supposed to with suck. that. Well, yeah, with that roster though, like, what do you want them to do? What What yeah. is the new coach going to come in and do that this coach can't? They're doing so, exactly what they're supposed to do. They got to suck this year, and they got to suck next year. And probably and the year I, after that. And I hope they don't get a top three pick because that would be even better. 
right? I mean, it happened to Colorado. Colorado lost out on their free first round pick. But, but Colorado kind of, you know, I don't think they care. There's no, rumors they might the, trade. You There's saw the little trade Byram for Hall. The so, disappointment I mean, on Joe weird. Sackick's face, though, when they're like Colorado <laughs> with the first overall pick, he was like, "Fuck, <laughs> we could have yeah. added, we could have added one of these guys, one of these top two picks on our, on our, uh, on this." To be fair, I still think I still think the Hawks dropped the ball not taking Byram. I think uh, Byram is. I wouldn't be shocked if, if like you go back and do some redrafts, Byram might be right up there at the top. Uh, yeah, like a few years from now, depending yeah. on where you're at. But but he might not even play in Colorado. Like uh, like I said, th- there's rumors that Hall, Hall, the top destination for Hall is Colorado, and which just R.I.P. everybody else. If the Colorado Avalanche land Taylor Hall, mm-hmm. and then their D is already. I mean, for the next three fine. years, they've got a team that could just because they're going to re-sign Hall. They have the money. Yeah. Until they have to re-sign their their big def- young defenseman, it's no problem. No, and then you got Nathan McKinnon coming out and saying. I'm going to take a team-friendly deal on my next contract, which... Thanks, Seabro. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) you look at that, and it's like Sidney Crosby, I remember, said on the Spittin' Chicklets podcast that it doesn't work unless everybody else does it. So, like, you know, if... This, the prime example, if Kane and Taves both took 8.5 each instead of 10.5, and Seabrook was at 5.8, that's... Different team. That this is a totally different roster and a way better roster that they could build around. Do you trade you, a guy like Panarin at that point? No, Probably you don't. Not. You keep him, and then you're yeah. you're rolling well, with two hundred point players. Because I would imagine that Kane and Panarin would have probably at least one playing together for a full season. They were Kane was over a hundred points with him, but I would have imagined that Panarin would probably eventually would have, would have scored a hundred points with him. Um, so I mean, let's, let's be honest though. Uh, that trade was made to shake things up. It was terrible idea. So maybe it still would have happened. Right. Uh, But last thing we wanted to talk about, uh, all the coaches being fired. Um, but I wanted to start mainly with, uh, the guy who was fired for a hockey reason actually versus all the controversy. That's, uh, Peter DeVore, uh, sharks coach has a tendency to, uh, overachieve his first year, underachieve uh, the following years by comparison. But that's an option for the Hawks. Um, it's a team that's already underachieving. It's a team that might need a, a, a shake up a little bit in terms of let's not try and be a contender. Let's try and retool. And uh, DeBoer was there for when I think the Sharks did a, a, retour, a retool a couple few years back. You know, maybe he's he's a guy you want in there helping the young kids. And even if he doesn't take him to the cup, uh, it's good learning, uh, gets him in a good system. Uh, I, th- I still think that it isn't necessarily his fault. The Sharks are fall- falling apart. I think having two guys like Burns and Carlson who focus more on offense than defense is really showing its true colors. I think Jones is not the greatest starting goalie. It's a lot of problems getting older. Yada, yada, yada. But uh, main point of all this is DeBoer maybe an option for the Hawks. Uh, maybe they pass it up, obviously. You know, we mentioned in the first one before all the controversy came out that if Carlton wasn't the option, we always could uh, fall back to Crawford. 
not an option. Gone. Yeah, he's he's as good as gone. Um, so he, I mean, DeBoer is out there. There's other less than favorable options out there, but uh, you know, throw your two cents in. What do you uh, what do you think of all this going on with the coaches? And uh, do you see any potential for any of them coming to the Hawks? Yeah, I think the the interest DeBoer obviously is probably the only guy because he's the only guy that's been hired or fired for hockey reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody else has had a, <laughs> an issue attached to them. So none of those yeah. guys, like uh, Jim Montgomery, I think his name is in Dallas. In Dallas, He yeah. was fired. The thing about that was that I found interesting was Dallas made it a point to come out and say that it had nothing to do with any, any accusations in, in regards to players or any of his past players or anything hockey related, which was like in, in real, like relationships, which I yeah, thought was weird strange. because that's they strange. didn't nope And nobody followed up on it either. Like I didn't see like any, like the Bob McKenzie's or Pierre LeBron's of the world, like come out and say, Oh, he was fired for um, detrimental conduct outside of the rank. Like that. That's I thought weird. that was interesting that there was n- nobody kind of followed up on that. Um, it's weird. You know, people know what's going on and maybe right. it's, maybe it's a personal thing. Maybe it's a cover up of some sort or right. whatever it is, is what it is. Um, but Peter DeBoer, I would think if, if I'm the Hawks, I'm kind of, you gotta kind of, you're just going to ride with Carlton for the year. And then, um, I think with, at, the, at this point, just ride with Carlton for the year and then just go, okay, at the end of the year. Um, reevaluate, probably let them go and figure out where to go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, cause then you, you do have the options of like a Babcock or something like that. I wouldn't want a Babcock on. No, there. no, no. We don't want that option. But uh, if the Hawks want that option, that's a terrible idea. No, I, I agree. But like you had, he is an option. And so is Peter DeBoer. I would, I wouldn't mind DeBoer to come. No, in. I think, I think he gets so, a lot out of young kids. I think it's a good option. Yeah. So um, I think it would be a, a really good uh, uh, thing to try, at least. I mean, hockey has, yeah, hockey has this weird tendency to recycle coaches a lot. So mm-hmm. um, where. And, and let's be honest, uh, we the last thing the Hawks need is to develop a losing culture with these kids. Right. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to do that at all. Yeah, so, so if DeBoer could come in and maybe at least make them a little more competitive consistently. Yeah. Like, let's say the Hawks had the same record, but these games against Vegas and the game they had against Nashville are not such lopsided affairs. And there's a little more compete. That's that's what you want to see. Right. I, I agree. Um, there is Before we go, we're at about 30 minutes, and I know you got to go mm-hmm. soon. Um, there is one thing that I did want to bring up that I forgot to, uh, mention this pre podcast, but, uh, we'll call this like interesting fact corner until I come up with a different (laughs) name for it. Um, but like mystery segment. Um, so I was, this happened to me when I was looking, I tried to research what the Hawks recapture penalty would be if Brent Seabrook were to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, before his contract came out, I couldn't find anything with that. I don't but, think he has one, but because uh, I don't think he has one either. I think his contract just goes off the books. Um, but yeah. I did stumble across Shea Weber's recapture penalty, and mm-hmm. oh, yeah, he was signed before the previous collect uh, yes. the current collective bargaining agreement. He was signed in 2012, and he oh. was circumvented the cap. So yes. yeah, um, 
the Predators have, are, even though he's gone, the Predators still are on the hook for signing him to that contract and mm-hmm. anything that happens. Just like the Hawks are on the hook if it, if, if Hulsa, Hulsa retired, decides to retire. Yeah. Um, but if Shea Weber to retire in 2020, so next offseason at the age of 34, which he's not going to, um, but hypothetical. But hypothetical. Nashville for the next six years has four million dollars of dead cap. Oh. It gets worse. Oh, man. It gets way worse. <laughs> I, this is. I found this and I couldn't believe my eyes when I got to the later years. If he retires in 2021, it's four point nine million dollars in dead cap space for five years. If he retires at the age of 36, which also unlikely. Um, yeah. His his recapture penalty is six point one million dollars for four seasons. Oy um, <laughs> if he retires in 2023, 37 years old, which possible. Is, is, it's possible the Nashville Predators recapture penalty um, is eight point one million dollars in dead cap <laughs> for three mm. seasons. Here, here's and then like I'm this not done is... yet. I, oh, no. It's way worse, dude. Uh, and keep oh. in mind, Montreal for the first three years, it ranges from like seven hundred sixty-one thousand to two hundred fourteen thousand for their recapture penalties. So that's really oh, they're fine. fine. They're, they don't. They're, give, they're they don't give a shit. At the age of thirty-eight, so if he retires in the twenty after the twenty twenty-four season, at the age of thirty-eight, um, Nashville's recapture penalty for two seasons. Is twelve point two million dollars in dead cap space, and then if he retires, if he retires the last year of his contract in twenty twenty five, so at the age of thirty nine, the the National Predators recapture penalty is twenty four point five million dollars <laughs> in dead cap space. So uh, we're granted that's six years from now, but that's what at even if the cap's at $95 million a year at that point, like that, that's, that's, that's a 30 year team. It's over. A bit. Yeah. That's, that's, that's two superstars on your team that you can no longer afford. So but here, here's my problem with it is, is the NHL going to force it? Remember when the devils were supposed to lose the first for Ilya Kovalchuk and they, they still like threw him a bone. It's like, you could have the last pick of the draft. Like, Yeah. Uh, like the last are they pick really of the first round or the last pick of just the draft in general? Oh, the first round. Oh, really? That kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, are, are they really going to be like, all right, Nashville, you retired at 39. You were so close, but uh, you can't spend $24 million of your cap this year. I would love to see it just because I love chaos. And that would be absolute chaos. Like, could you be imagine- felt through the NHL. Like, players would be like – Oh, Philip Forsberg's available, or whoever the star is there, Tolvanen or Toivanen or whatever his name is, if he ever makes it. It's like, oh, he's available? I'll move some pieces and take him. Right. And, like, Nashville would probably be very good the next year after that year um, with how much prospects and how many, you know, picks. I mean, they're not going to get much. It's like (laughs) you lowball them. It's like. Well, yeah. You either give him a low first or a high second, and it's like I'll take I'll take this like stud off your hands to help you get under the cap. Yeah, that's pretty much what would happen. Like, I mean, these guys are Nashville is you know because if not, you just wait for waivers. 
Because they'll have to go through waivers then, your highest paid player. Yeah. Which at that point of the year, I think Rick Roman Yossi would probably be, he'd be the guy. Oh, nine years or uh, what was it, six years from now? Who yeah. knows who it'll be? Who knows what stud would go on waivers and be available to all the teams? Yeah, that's be insane. That's when I saw that looking up for Brent Seabrook, I was like, this is an insane yeah. uh, fact. But yeah, if you're looking for Seabrook, he doesn't have a recapture because he was he signed to a non like in this CBA. So it and was... I think there was like a rule that if you sign after you're 35 to like a five or six year contract at uh, like 36 or something like that to get the AAV down. I think there's a penalty there too, where if he yeah, retires think, before the end of his contracts up, which is yeah, why he signed at like 31 or 30 or yeah. something like that. He's fine. Yeah. Which is why well, you see sadly for us. Yeah. Well, just, I guess fine for us. Cause we don't get a recapture if he retires, but no. sadly he's probably going to be healthy enough to play. No, he'll probably, yeah, probably. And unless, the Blackhawks somehow, some way underneath the table, go, Hey, we'll give you break your, his kneecap. <laughs> we'll give you your, your $6.8 million. You're, you're due this year, uh, off the books. Uh, if you just please for the love of God, retire. Um, <laughs> I don't see him giving that up. Um, so no, too much money. So I All think, right, though, I think that's uh, that's it for the show. I think so. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Um, we appreciate you joining us uh, this lovely Friday or Saturday or Sunday, or whenever you're listening to this, um, you can three weeks from now when it's irrelevant. Yes. So, I mean, I, li- I sometimes listen to podcasts that are old. Oh, well, then everyone come listen to this one. <laughs> so let's find a way to monetize this, right? Yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> we appreciate your li- you listening. Um, uh, our social media pages will be up and running soon. Um, it's a little busy yeah. with the holiday season, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's been a bit crazy. But uh, we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, any final thoughts, Andy? Nope. I tried to think of something witty. It didn't come to me. All right. Well, on that note. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the GM Hockey Podcast, and we'll see you next week.